50% of the time, it works every time. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. I drink your milkshake. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Cinefleck. I'm your host, Ethan Colburn. Welcome back. Welcome to our, uh, I'd say, kind of like a prequel to the Damien Chazelle week. Um, I really wanted to throw this film in here so that, uh, especially for people who hadn't seen it, can kind of compare it uh, to La La Land um, because it's a massive influence, but also just happens to be one of my personal favorite movies. And um, you hopefully will see why on this podcast. We had a great, great time. Uh, I'm I'm very drunk on this, so I had to cut a lot of my ramblings. But uh, Paige and Griffin were both uh, great on this. Uh, Paige has been on a few podcasts here and there. She's she's been our featured guest on our second pod- podcast, Moonrise Kingdom, and also on the Lighthouse. So, and then Griffin, you can hear uh, our episode with Playtime that came out uh, this December, this last December. So, they're, they've both been on the podcast before. It was great chatting with them again. Um, and yeah, this was just like, it. it's not a surprise that we had so much fun recording because it's such a fun movie. So, I hope you guys enjoy listening to it. Um, we drank Aperol, Aperol spritzes this week, so uh, keep an eye out for that recipe on my social media at cinefleck pod on instagram and at cinefleck on twitter i've recently sort of pivoted my twitter to be more of like a personal twitter where i'm also um promoting the podcast that way i can just kind of post things that also have nothing to do with the podcast so if you just want to hear my tweets on random thoughts on movies uh follow me there too so i'll be trying to tweet out a little more than i have been uh yeah, other announcements. Yeah, uh, La La Land and Whiplash next week. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. I hope you enjoy. Griffin and Paige, welcome to uh, to our Young Girls episode. How are you guys both doing? How, how are you doing first, Griffin? That's pretty that- much how I feel too. Um, <laughs> I feel like this movie gets me so giddy and happy. It's it's it is my happy place. <laughs> yeah, totally. I, I'm I'm Ethan Page. I'm I'm stoked to be here. I'm in a great mood because I just watched the Young Girls of Rochefort. That's, that's that's what I gotta say. <laughs> that was a very impressive trumpet noise. I don't know if we like we, we should we should stay on that or if we should move on. But like uh, that sounded like a trumpet, and I was very impressed. <laughs> this movie is pure joy on screen. I had a great time. I feel like every time I've watched this, I've watched this with you because I know I watched it with you like the first time and you were just like, ah, yeah. like Paige, you were just like well, in love with this movie. I think we went into this movie the first time, like, what is this funny musical? It's like some yeah. French musical. Mm-hmm. And I was like, totally. oh God, okay, great. And then I watched it and I was like, this is my favorite <laughs> movie ever. <laughs> I need to watch this again. It, it is so, it, it's just so, um, 
like colorful and exciting and i don't know i don't usually love musicals that much not not this much but this one griffin what was your first experience with the baby so i first saw it a couple years ago and it was it was my second jacques demi movie the the first being umbrellas of shareboard which i saw three four years ago and that immediately i I, because i used to also think that i didn't like musicals and I'm like, oh, okay, there's this, this French musical from a long time ago that's that's entirely sung. And I'm like, I'm not gonna like this, but I loved it. And so I'm like, oh, I knew he had this other movie called Young Girls of Rochefort. So I watched it a couple years ago and same experience. I just absolutely fell in love with it. Like it just, it makes me feel so happy. So yeah. joyous. Yeah, I don't know how else to describe it besides like, I, I don't know, I haven't really taken a lot of drugs, but like, I, I feel like I'm on, I'm like high <laughs> after I watch this movie. <laughs> Maybe you no. should cut this. No, it's fine. <laughs> you probably got that. No, it's fine. It's a, it's a, uh, it's a. It's definitely a high. It's a high. Yeah. You get a high from yeah. watching this movie. Well, I mean, on our last podcast, we did recommend Heroin. I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. I, I hope nobody took us up on that. <laughs> I really hope to, so too. On this, on this podcast, we actually recommend Heroin again and recommend you comparing it to this movie. Um, <laughs> Yeah, this this is my second time on the podcast, and this is the second movie we've done. That's a French movie from 1967. So <laughs> it's a it's a very niche uh, niche category that you've occupied on the podcast. But um, what like what draws you back to this movie? Like, what have you loved about this over the years? Well, it's it's just like a celebration of joy and song and color, and it, it just makes me feel so warm inside. And like, like I said, um, Umbrellas of Cherbourg is, is one of my favorite movies, as is this, but Umbrellas of Cherbourg has this sublime romance that like slowly turns to heartbreak. And well, Young Girls has that same feeling of like the romantic elation, but it just never stops rising. It just grows and grows and grows. And at the end, it just, just peaks and it's only joy. And it's, it's so nice to watch a movie that just makes you feel so good. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I remember um, I haven't seen all of Umbrellas of Sherboard, but I've actually seen the ending, <laughs> which is pretty terrible, but it definitely ends on a low, kind of a, I mean, it's like bitter, it's pretty bittersweet from what I remember, but but this movie, I mean, the young girls, you just, yeah, it's just the whole thing is just a love fest and it's like, you know, everyone is finding their their person and their um I don't know it's just so exciting and yeah like you said right up to the very end it peaks at the end it's like mm-hmm. the best part is the like the last two seconds and yeah it's just it's such a, a fun movie to watch because you're just like like rooting the whole time I think characters. the thing that I, I I I think the thing that I really want to talk about is like there's this clear three-act structure where the first act it's like let's establish the characters and who they're destined to be with so we're gonna have the characters who they're going to fall in love with sing the same songs in different places such that you know that that's the person that they're supposed to be with and that's the person that they're supposed to be with and then the second act is let's just toy with the audience and show you how many moments they almost met each other. <laughs> and then the third act is like, let's just finally give you exactly what you want and put 
the two people that you want together together. And it's just, it's, it's a very, very simple structure, but I think there's something so like earnest about the joy in this movie. Like there's something so genuine about like the joy on screen that like it's, it doesn't like, even in like joyous Disney movies and stuff, it doesn't feel as genuine as this. And I'm not exactly sure why. I don't know if you have any thoughts on just why this movie feels as just joyful as it does. Yeah, I think it feels as joyful and as genuine as it does because it's very clearly a fantasy, yet it's still grounded in reality. Mm-hmm. There's all this like romantic idealism going on and, and they burst into song and dance unlike anyone does in real life. But it, it, it's so believable. Like, yeah, like uh, Rochefort is almost this haven of, of song and music and, and culture and art. And like just outside of it, there are these, these soldiers marching and it's almost as if like, like the depressing reality hasn't yet touched Rochefort and it's like the one place where we can we can witness this it does it does feel like an escape it does feel like an escape but Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I I think I think the other thing is um I mean Ethan your dad was saying this but um throughout the whole film love translates through art and and many forms so like dance and music and and um like painting and everything and and um and so in a way, I feel like, like, I mean, just in reality, we tend to get emotional over art and it's something that kind of connects groups of people and everything. And I feel like maybe that's one of the reasons why it feels so, uh, I don't know, like personal, maybe mm-hmm. it's like everything. Yeah. I'm not sure, but I was just kind of wondering that. What do you think? What do you guys think? Griffin? Yeah, I, I agree with that that personal aspect. Just because this movie is very French in its in its approach to culture and art, and like th- this whole city is is very interested in high art and low art, and that's something that like I, I personally aspire to. Like I think that's something I find fascinating, and there's just this whole community where you have a man that owns. Uh, a music shop and then you have it this cafe where all these interesting characters coming on you you have this this fair with all this, this singing and dancing going on you have gene kelly piano man just popping in for a few minutes like <laughs> it's, it's, a little dance <laughs> it's something that my american brain can't even comprehend because we don't have that level of culture no totally oh my god totally i, I so want to go visit um Rochefort. Rochefort now Rochefort. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, not going to try that. <laughs> I know he keeps correcting me. Every time I say it, he's like, that's wrong. It's this. And I'm like, I can't, I can't say that. You got that. it. You got it. You can do it. You can do but, it. I believe um, in you. I, I so badly want to go to this place now. Yeah. Just experience it. We'll do it. We'll Although, do it. I don't, Griffin, will I, I you travel like with might... us? You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome on the excursion. I feel like it's not going to be the fantasy I think it is. I think the problem is if we go there, there won't be people going, I think, and like with like gazelle leaves, like that just won't quite like materialize, which I feel like is like everyone's going to be going about their day and we're just going to be like, oh, okay, this is another city. I'll be really sad if all of the bright colors are painted over. That will also be sad. That would make me really 
upset. So what you're saying is we should stage a coup to take over Rochefort and, and turn it into the Rochefort from this movie. I think so. <laughs> I think so. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. If I, I know anything about coups is gone. that they're really easy to do. Yeah, coups seem fantastically easy. Um, yeah, as we're recording this in recently. January of 2021, uh, like, coups seem fantastically easy. <laughs> Uh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so um, I, I, I think the one thing I want to talk about with this was, um, so Jacques Demy is firmly like in the French New Wave movement, but there was like the Leave Gauche movement, which is like the one he's part of, which which has to do with like what part of the Seine you're on in Paris. So he was on like the left bank of the Seine, and the Leave Droite was kind of like Truffaut and Jean-Luc Godard and these more radical um, French New Wave directors. And he was kind of on, on, on like the other side, which is on like him and Agnes Varda and these like kind of less radical directors that I, I think the most obvious difference between them was that um, him and Agnes Varda who, by the way, was also like his wife of 25 years, was, were like really admired old Hollywood and really admired um, what came before them. Whereas like John Luke Cadard was like constantly trying to undermine Hollywood and undermine like these established norms that were established throughout the years by old Hollywood. And and it, it's it's really clear in this movie that Jacques Demy loves specifically like MGM musicals, like loves these like grand productions with, you know, dancers jumping out left and right. And it's, it's clear he does his own take on it. And it's clear that he's pushing, he, he's pushing the medium forward, but he loves these old, old musicals, which is what's so fun about it is that he's like, taking his own spin on it. It reminds me sort of of like the spaghetti Westerns, the way that they're sort of taking from like the samurai genre of the fifties, but also like the old um, Westerns of Hollywood, but sort of taking their own spin of a spin on it. I don't know if you two have any thoughts on him sort of acknowledging the old. Yeah, I, I think that's a really smart point about just just bringing in the spaghetti western into that, that parallel is because in, in some ways I feel like the Jacques Demy musicals are an evolution of the old Hollywood American right. musical in that it just it's just taking something that's already established and just bringing it to the, the next logical step. And I also really liked your point about, about drawing that distinction between in 60s French cinema, there are these these two different lanes and there's there's the there's the uh, French new wave of the Godard and the Truffaut. And, and in some ways, Agnes Varda's this first two films, or not first two, but her her films in the 60s, uh, Cleo from five to seven, and then her 66 yeah. film, Les Bonheur, is um, they, they, they do have very much, like they have stamps of French new wave, but as she progressed as a, as a director, her style very much shifted towards Jacques Demy's style of- True. Of idealistic romanticism and this 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 new way and it's it's interesting just to see how in some ways in that relationship I feel like Jacques Demy influenced Agnes Varda more than the other way around and yeah uh-huh 
And that's not to say, to say that there's anything to do with the gender politics at this time in terms of a man might be more influential than a woman in 1960s. But just because Jacques Demy was, was such a special person and he had such a special view of the world, like that's so evident in Young Girls of Rochefort. Any thoughts, Paige, on just like the old Hollywood influence or anything like along those lines? Well, I guess my thought on that is more of how it influences today's movies. Mm, like with yeah. um, La La Land. I know... Um, the director of that film was you know influenced by the direct by um the director of this film Jack me and yeah um i mean it, i remember watching la la land i think it was after we had seen the young girls oh no it was no, 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 before no. It we was saw before it in we saw la la land and then soon after that we saw the young girls and the first time I had seen that movie, I was like, oh my God, this is the same intro <laughs> where they're all getting out of the cars and dancing in the street. Aww. And I'm like, this is awesome. How, like, why are they like, oh my God, this is crazy. They're the exact same thing. And then yeah. Ethan was like, well, I think he was influenced by, it. I was like, oh my God, that would make so much sense. Um, but I, I, yeah, I just, that for whatever reason, that little tidbit is just stuck in my mind. And um, totally, I think it, it's, I don't know. It's it's really so it's kind of fun to see like having seen both films like um La La Land is kind of more of a more of the new version of The Young Girls um where again like art is the language of love and the whole film mm, is That's a good point. Yeah. Um is kind of based around that and misconnections and trying to find your way and fulfill your career but also trying to find love and um yeah they I feel like they draw a lot of parallels but love both yeah, of them. definitely like I, I also love La La Land like it, it's definitely one of my favorite films of the past decade and it, it's 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 pretty clear that Young Girls and um, Umbrellas of Cherbourg are both like the two biggest influences on La La Land and Damien Chazelle like just to, to, to see that movie is almost like this idea was 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 formed in old Hollywood and Jacques Demy took it and then Damien Giselle took it and it's 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 this back and forth that's gone back to what we now know as modern Hollywood and that's it's it's completely different than old Hollywood but it still has those those same stamps and, and same ideas and it's just interesting to see how it's shifted definitely yeah and it stands the test of time I totally agree. And just for our listeners, I'm going to shout out that Lawland is coming out like in four days after this podcast comes out, just so you guys all know. But um, how you can directly compare these movies and you can really see what what comparisons they draw. But like, just to go back to my point about like that spaghetti westerns, because I want to like make clear how that all happened. It reminds me a lot of what happened with Lawland. So what happened was um, Kurosawa was watching these Westerns of like the late thirties and forties from the U S about sort of honor and, you know, scrappiness and, and like lone gunman takes down the village or whatever. And, and then he took that into his own direction with his samurai movies in the fifties and late and sort of took that same Western plot line, but incorporated Japanese culture and incorporated sort of Japanese like sense of honor into that. 
And then Sergio Leone and other directors, um, but specifically Sergio Leone with his adaptation of Pistful of Jollers from Yojimbo, basically incorporated that back into the Western ideology of lone gunmen, but through sort of an Italian take. And I feel like you get the same thing with La La Land where you have like the ideologies of the 50s and the ideologies of Jack Demi trying to incorporate the ideologies of the 50s. It's so fun to see like so many cultures and so many different types of people try to interpret. Yeah, it's it's very layered. Yeah, and then on top of that, like in the La La Land, you see the, again, like you said, the 2016 take where you start bringing in some of the ideology of, of, um, you know, people today. And, yeah. and that's kind of fun to see on top of layered on top of something from a musical of like the sixties. Totally. Totally. Super fun. No, I, I feel like that was a really smart point. Just, just, especially that, that parallel between, um, the, uh, the Jacques Demy musicals and the uh, spaghetti Westerns is really strong just because it's, it's, it's very interesting to see like the same idea interpreted through the lens of different cultures because at, at the base of it the idea is the same but the execution is so vastly different and yeah most, totally and everything else is so different but like the bones are still the same i, I just i just find that so interesting yeah, yeah totally definitely. totally um mm-hmm. before i get too sidetracked we are drinking aperol spritz and we have not commented on them yet to me, they taste like this movie. Do any? Do either of you have a comment on this? To me, they yeah. like taste like I, this it, movie. I feel like they're citrusy and maybe a little floral. I don't know. They're sweet. But they're, they're sweet. Very sweet. They're easy to drink. Yeah, and, and they're, they're colorful. They're they're colorful. They're like happy to me. Yeah, bubbly. I, I feel like I had happy memories with this drink because I first had them in Europe. What was your first experience with them, Griffin? Because this is your first time having an Aperol spritz, maybe? Maybe? Yeah, uh, I, I'm not a big drinker, so this is this is definitely my first experience. And yeah, I, I definitely see the parallels just because it, it has this, this this fruity tone to it. And it just has this, this, this light atmosphere to, to the drink, which suits the movie so well. And especially drinking them while watching the movie, it, it's easy to see why a sophisticated person would pair these these two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're so good at sucking up to me. I'm, I've got to have you back for a third time. Let's just <laughs> like, let's just dig through your whole Blu-ray collection. Why don't we? Uh, it'll be a while. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, I feel like we've talked for like 20 minutes and well, like 30 minutes and like not even really dug into plot points of this movie, but like, do either of you want to get into just general plot summaries, Griffin Page? Um, okay, so this film is about two twin girls and their family. And it's about um, people finding love and misconnections and exploring love through art. And um and what it boils down to is this big fair that happens in the center of the city and um, everybody's celebrating and yeah. trying to find love. 
I guess everyone's that's it. trying to find love through music. Everyone's <laughs> trying to find joy, including the serial color. <laughs> can we? Can we please talk about the serial killer? Because I always forget this is a part of the movie until I watch it. And um, there is a full, like, I I think the other thing I forget is how flushed out this side plot is where you meet him and he's like, oh, I'll be leaving town. All good things must end. Ha ha. And and then <laughs> and then and then there's a the whole scene where they're like, "Bada, we're washing blood off the street because a k- k- killer killed someone here." Ba 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 ba. And and you're like, <laughs> you're like, what? You're like, wait, wait. You're like, wait, wait. Why are you singing about like I, this like murder scene? I always forget that this is part of the movie until I watch the movie. <laughs> like, oh why God. do they add this? Why is there a killer? It's like not scene very there? memorable, and it just. Like, I don't know what it adds, to be honest. Yeah. What do you think it adds? <laughs> it, it doesn't, like, detract by any means. Like, I, I don't think yeah. it's uh-huh. worse for having this yeah. plot line, but it doesn't necessarily add anything. It, it's so weird because it, he's not just, like, a normal serial killer. He's, like, straight up an axe murderer. Yeah. <laughs> we have Jack Torrance in this movie. Like, <laughs> what the heck? Totally. And I think there's a yeah. thing of, like, the, the, I, I think what it adds genuinely is, like, I think it adds this thing where, um, like, I, I think the world seems so pristine. And I think the idea that, like, a serial killer can exist in this colorful world of dancers, I think adds a, like, hidden level of darkness to the movie. And I think yeah. in some ways, I don't know if I'm, like, projecting too far forward, I think in some ways, like, hints at the fact that characters might not get together though they do i think it hints at this idea that like things don't have to work out the way they're supposed to because there's a serial killer yeah he killed someone because she wouldn't love him back does this make <laughs> does this make sense or am i like grasping at straws here i kind of get it I, it does kind of bring reality back a little bit um i i think it also i mean like plot wise, it adds a reason for people to congregate outside of where he left the body, <laughs> right? Like, like people were literally like sitting around like, hey, what's going on with the policeman? And they're like, oh, there was blood everywhere. <laughs> Paige, are you suggesting that Jacques Demi is like, oh man, I just like, I got to the part of the story where I don't know how to make them all get together. I got murder why not that's fun i I guess i'll make that guy in the cafe a serial killer i mean that's pretty much (laughs) that's kind of what happened i mean two of the characters talked there yeah i don't know why else would they why else would they run into each other this is true this is true (laughs) there's no other way to get characters to run into each other yeah Um, i mean that just comes back to this this theme of interconnection and like I, I don't think it's it's um, wrong to say that this is Jacques Demy's most optimistic film, and even then he has all these 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 problems and real world world issues just kind of going on in the the periphery of the film, not 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 the because the the center of the film is just this this pure feeling of joy, but on the outsides there are these these soldiers who are who are potentially thinking they they might go back to war. There, there's an offhanded comment that that an old man makes that he, he says, this feels like it's 1939 and we're about to go to war with the Germans. And you have this, this ax murderer 
and there's there's all this going on but at the same time it just way off on the sides you're right yeah it does kind of add that perspective where it lets you realize how I mean these it's like these the main characters are kind of in their own world trying to figure out their own lives and it, it shows them being kind of almost like uh self-involved I don't know yeah what else to say that yeah, no, but I, I guess self-involved and it's like but all these things all this chaos is going around um going going on around them but it's it, and, and so it kind of brings that fairy tale back back and grounds it a little bit but I don't know it's kind of fun no totally like <laughs> it's I, a funny addition and I realize every time I watch it it, it, I think that's a smart point page because like at the same time like it's a movie it's it's complete fantasy and like the film indulges in this joy that isn't found in the real world it's it's like it's literally a feeling that can only be created through like the illusion of movies and somehow like he wants the real world to kind of seep in from the edges and I yeah. think and and I think that's what separates it from like the MGM musical that's trying to honor is the MGM musical that is trying to honor creates a complete world of joy. Whereas this, this world, you, you have the soldiers that, you know, like have experience in world war two or like know, you know, what threats are going on from the outside and you have this serial killer, but you have joy, like, like it's, it's almost acknowledging that the movie is an escape as opposed to just sort of, yeah. It, it almost makes it feel more attainable mm -hmm. um, because it, it, like you said, like reality seeps in through the edges. I really like the way you said that Griffin. Um, Cause it definitely feels like, Oh, well you are in the real world, but, but these like crazy love stories can happen to you. Um, yeah, I, I love that. Like, there's this whole through line of like people trying to find their ideal partner, and that's something that I'd like to believe exists because these characters find their ideal partners, and that's like the, the sappy romantic guy inside of me loves that. Yeah. <laughs> totally, it's like so full. Yeah, fem feminine Edel. Is that what? It, yeah. How do you say that? Yeah. Yeah, no, totally, totally. Yeah. I mean, they all try to find their ideal person. And yeah, I mean, there's something that's like so joyous about this. I've been I've been curious about this recently because when like you watch certain Disney movies, you feel like the joy is unearned. And I think my most recent experience with like joy that's incredibly earned is it's a wonderful life, which I did on the podcast, like a few weeks ago. And that's an amazing movie, but I think that's one where he goes through sadness to feel the joy. And this is a movie where it's almost like, it's just like pure joy throughout the movie. And yeah. Almost I, like they don't have to go through that sadness. They don't have to. Exactly. Exactly. They don't have to go through that sadness to feel the joy and I don't, I don't exactly know what makes this joy well, feel earned. I think it feels like they've already been through that because all of the stories, it's oh, like, oh, I've, okay. I've been this, you know, sad piano teacher, just kind of like dealing with kids, et cetera, and teaching little kids how to dance. And then 
the the woman who was like or their mom who um who had this terrible heartbreak because she didn't want to be called Madame Dam, which you know <laughs> I don't know that that would be rough, but um, <laughs> but like in the end, Madame it feels Dame. like because like when they gave their character introductions through their initial songs, they they kind of already gave you that in the in the background. Yeah, that, that's so good, Paige. Like, that's, that's super smart. Like, thank you. <laughs> I I really like that idea of just like almost relegating this kind of sadness to to the exposition almost. And so, what, what we as an audience experience is pure joy, but at the same time, we understand that that the the characters in the movie don't have that same joy that we're experiencing that it's just something that the desire that they they don't yet have but we want them to have mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's like you're rooting from them from the time that you meet them it's it's fun it's even the sleazy carny guys <laughs> yeah i know like hey, so, I, want you, I wanted to work out for you too i i mean these are great character introductions let's just like get that out of the way like yeah, these, totally. these intro songs they're amazing and and also just the like the big, I just always like that beginning, that first scene where they're coming off, um, the, I don't know, the barge, whatever it is. Like, I don't know. They're getting like out the of their transport truck, bridge. This transport um, thing. They got off. I it. think they literally call it the transport bridge in the yeah, name of the it. song. Yeah. yeah. They get off the transport bridge and they start like stretching and everything. And you go through that whole sequence. You get to know those characters. And then without any, what seems like a cut, they go straight into the the window of the dance studio um, where you meet the two lovely twins and you just get to know their characters immediately. And it's like, and I don't know, it just feels like you're just kind of wafting through the air of this, this it town. Like you and you don't have any direction. And you're yeah, sort you're of just like kind of like getting to know each character. To town, and yeah. you, you, they like they literally like cross paths and then you, you you're following one character you cross paths with another and then you start following the other one it's almost like you're there with them and you're just kind of floating through the space I don't know it's a really cool way of connecting the stories yeah totally like just to go back to that that opening which is just genuinely incredible and might be one of the best openings I've seen in any movie that I've ever watched and it's it's this like the, the opening sequence with the transporter bridge like really sets the tone for the movie like mm -hmm. it creates this like magical realism that carries the film yeah it starts out with this like freeform piano sound it's, it's very loose and then like at, all, all the people on the bridge are just kind of slowly independently dancing and then just snap yeah. Just instantly it goes right into a choreographed number and piano tightens up and, and just like that it's like you know you're in the hands of someone who who knows exactly what they're doing and it's like yeah. it's this musical number it's 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 incredible I, I i love it definitely yeah it definitely feels like a journey like like you're immersed in it it's it's so fun i love that intro and i totally feel like la la land is like an exact mirror or a pretty close mirror of of that intro every time i see it i'm like oh my god it's the same thing okay <laughs> on the count of three we are all gonna shout um our favorite dancer in this movie one two three George Harris. Okay, so, yeah, page. <laughs> so i'm so i'm on my own um Kelly. <laughs> so i'm 
on my G- George Shakiris is okay. So Gene Kelly is amazing, but George Shakiris is like like five years off his Oscar win for West Side Story, and he's just he's fantastic. Like his leaps and his like he looks like a gazelle, and he's just like whatcha whatcha. Yeah, and he's so fantastic. He is such a crisp. Like he dances so with like like all of his lines are so crisp, but it looks Mm -hmm. effortless. He's just kind of doing it and, and it looks natural. And I don't know. Yeah. He is a great dancer, but Gene Kelly as the one person, as the one person that didn't, didn't shout Gene Kelly at the count of three, I have to say, I love George Shakiris. And I think like, it's so odd to me that he didn't have like, an amazing career after West Side Story. I think part of it is, is due to just Hollywood moving away from musicals and um, musicals just not being a big part of the 60s as as opposed to like what a big part of like the 50s they were. So sadly he didn't have a massive career but he's literally amazing this movie. Um, you guys may go on about how amazing Gene Kelly is because he is just fantastic in this movie (laughs) yeah he's he's incredible I mean he's incredible in everything he's done like like it it, it's so funny because the first time I watched the film I didn't know he was in it at all and I just was watching it and I was like I think I let that be a surprise Kelly I think I think I think I knew and I let that be a surprise it's just so fun yeah I don't know he's he's incredible I mean he's one of the best you can't I mean I feel like you just can't argue that but or argue against that but um, what do you think, Griffin? I think it's it's so smart to just have him in the movie in general because he's this representation of, of old Hollywood and he's the face of all these old musicals yet, oh, he, he's, he's in uh, this movie and he's in this, this, this next step. And, and I, I believe he was supposed to do all the choreography, but it just, the schedule didn't line up. But at the same time, it's, it's this beautiful blend of, on one side you have Gene Kelly and on the other end you have Jacques Demy and Michelle Legrand. And it's this, this, this fusion that just makes something completely different and something better than the two sides could, could make on their own. Yeah. It's, it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's awesome. I, I, I just absolutely adore it. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. I, I think it's so, um, I mean, the, the choreography throughout the entire film is amazing. Same with the, um, or like it's so funny because this last year you know how Spotify gives you the Spotify wrapped I got my Spotify wrapped and it was like who have listened to a lot of Michelle Legrand and I was like who the hell is that (laughs) (laughs) and Ethan was like oh my god that's the young girls of Rushmore I was like oh okay that makes so much sense because I listened to that soundtrack nonstop. When I'm driving everywhere, I just I feel like I, I, yeah, yeah. That's what Paige's car sounds like. Yeah, because I listen to that soundtrack and I feel like I'm watching the movie. <laughs> so like I feel like I'm kind of like cheating and watching the movie while I'm driving, but I'm just listening to the soundtrack. Totally, but I love yeah. the soundtrack and I was like who is this person? But um, it- <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, I, I, the, the the twin song pops up and popped up in my Spotify rap last yeah? year. Too. <laughs> yeah. Oh yay! Nice. Uh, guess of something in common. This is great. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, no, I mean, the, I, I think, I think it's something that we haven't like explicitly said yet in this podcast, but the music is off the charts amazing. And I think he passed away like last year or the year before. And it's just, it's tragic that, they, that it's, it's tragic that we lost this man, but I mean, not like an incredible legacy to leave behind. Is this like this musical? I don't know if you have any Yeah, I, I mean, thoughts. after every time I watch this movie, I, uh, for like days afterwards, I have the song stuck in my head as, as Ethan knows very well. Probably months. Um, <laughs> but, uh, Probably months is more realistic. It all the time. <laughs> it drives me crazy, but, um, but it makes me happy. Uh, <laughs> but the, um, but I like, I just, I feel like these songs and the movie itself are so amazing. Like, I don't know why this movie isn't, I feel like it's not as well known as it should be. Yeah, totally. Like, I, I completely agree. It's, it's one of my favorite films ever. And I like, don't know what I would have done if I had never seen it the first time. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's just such an integral part of my, I don't know, film experience. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely. Like before, Umbrellas of Cherbourg was the, the movie that made me realize that I like, hey, I might love musicals. That <laughs> yeah. Singing in the Rain. But Young yeah. Girls is, is something so different than anything else I had ever seen. And it's, it's this just pure evocation of joy and like the songs just add to it in a way that a non-musical couldn't ever achieve. And like Michelle Legrand is, is such an important part. Like Jacques Demy has made musicals without him, like his, his musical in the eighties, uh, Un Chambre and Ville is, doesn't have music by Michelle Legrand and it's not nearly as good. Mm. But I think what's so great is that the songs are this beautiful collaboration between Jacques Demy and Michelle Legrand, and it just sparks this this perfect balance of like happiness and love, and it has like the the fantasy of Jacques Demy, and and has just just the the musical motifs, and just the inherent romanticism of Michelle Legrand. It, it's it's just a perfect marriage. Yeah, totally. yeah, I totally agree. I feel like this whole film like works because it's just the right balance of like you said, like the music and the directing and the. Or, or the scores and the directing and the um, the choreography and everything. And it's just like the perfect blend. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't work without, you know, if, if one component was missing. I think the thing about this movie that, like, I just love, which I touched on earlier, is, like, how joyous it is. But, like, I'd, I would love to just do a draft of um, just, like, our favorite – our favorite components of this movie, our favorite, like, like what we love most about this movie. I, um, if we're repeating a bit, because we have talked a lot about this movie, we can skip over like the bulk of the discussion, but Griffin, I'd love for you to start just like what, what brings you back to this movie? What is like just the most fun that you have with this, I guess. Okay, so I mean, obviously, with kind of everything still on the board, like we've talked a lot about how this movie is so successful just because the culmination and collaboration of so many things. But I'm going to go off the board and choose something that you neither any of you two or anyone in the audience will suspect. 
<laughs> I am going to draft the way that everyone in this movie says boo-boo. <laughs> for number one i love it i am i'm very i'm very for number one griffin this is awesome it just it just charms the pants off me like yeah. there, there are like few select phrases that any woman could say in like an accent just to get me in bed with them right away boo-boo is one of them boo-boo. Like, i don't know it just it just charms me so much and yeah like I, I find myself saying it to myself just when I'm in random moments or if I'm in the car and in traffic or anything. I just hear myself go boo-boo. <laughs> boo-boo pour moi, <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> yeah, especially when, you know, you know, it's it's hard to it's hard to deny Catherine enough saying boo-boo too. I mean yeah. <laughs> that's really uh, fabulous. Paige, I'm assuming you're you you got you got the next pick. Yeah. Yeah, Paige oh, definitely gosh. has the next pick. I'm like debating between two things. So take 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 whatever you want. And I'll take the other thing. Mm, you probably will. I probably will. <laughs> okay. My I'm next gonna... pick is Catherine. Did not... what what what? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> uh, so my next pick is Catherine Deneuve and her sister. Oh, no. What's her sister's name? You know, I'll just take. That's two picks. I okay. Let me hear me out. <laughs> hear me out. It's the dynamic between them. Okay. The calm. <laughs> calm. Calm. <laughs> Great use of French there to like really yeah. calm me down. Francoise um, <laughs> Dorbiac. So, I I just think the dynamic between the two sisters is so cool because it's like one of the few times we actually see them on in on screen together. And sadly, her sister path passed away just before the movie was released, from what I understand. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, it's just it's it's so cool to be able to see them kind of interacting together and doing this film together. And it's just I don't know. I mean, it I mean, obviously they're sisters, but I feel like um it really the the twin the whole twin thing really works because you know they do have that kind of chemistry and connection and um and i just uh-huh, love that aspect of, yeah, yeah well yeah I, I just love that aspect of the film or of the of the um the relationship they have on and off screen with this movie yeah she's she's just so absolutely charming and and just the, yeah. the interplay between them, like specifically during the twin song, where where she's playing the piano and Catherine Deneuve is, yeah. is singing in the leotard, just just this this class of kids, and it's just this this interplay that that feels so seamless to them. It, it feels like the movie relies on this dynamic, and the whole movie is built off the bond that these two sisters share, just because in in one way they're they're very similar but in another way they're, they're so very different and they have these two like almost divergent paths that just kind of happen to align totally mm-hmm. yeah yeah and i always wonder when i watch the movie like oh are they ever gonna like meet up and talk about their experiences later and and i i just i just see them you know re like you know connecting after their experiences both going off to paris and and um I don't know. It's like, I feel like because they're twins, they have this special connection and you just kind of see it from like, not just the present that you're viewing, but also like you can 
you can kind of project in the future in the past a little bit like yeah. like they have that deep connection for sure did that for make sure. any sense yeah no it totally made sense <laughs> i totally... feel like i'm just no it totally it, all right <laughs> it 100 percent made sense i mean the way like they act together on screen it it's it's truly magnetic and it's it's sad to think this is both her last film role and the only time she got to act with her sister on screen, which is just like, it's, um, it's a really intense moment and you're, you're both really happy for her and really sad for her lack of a future career because like, like Catherine Deneuve really got like a crazy career after the sixties. I mean, she, acted and stuff up until today i mean she's still acting and stuff and you you wish that you got the same out of her sister that being said like what a final film role for i get to see them both on screen here right i i i i guess i mean it's 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 incredible yeah i don't have anything more to add ethan that's really well said i'm, I'm assuming Catherine Deneuve is, is going to be your pick then my next my next pick in the draft would be Gene Kelly. And I know this may seem unconventional because I said the next, the, I said the best dancer in this movie is George Shakiris, which I believe is still true. However, who I'm most happy to see in this movie is Gene Kelly. And it's A, because like he's a massive star. Like he's, he's so fucking big from the 50s and everything. And then, and then B, it's just like, he shows up in this movie and, and I feel like he's so happy to just sort of play around with everyone else. Like he seems, he seems like totally happy to be in this musical and he seems happy to, to give it his all and put his all into his part and his choreography and his dancing and everything. And it's just, it's pretty cool to see him in this. I don't know if you have any other thoughts on like Gene Kelly, either of you. So Griffin. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think you got to the core of why he's so great is just because he's so willing to be in that part and yeah. he has this inherent likability to him that just makes you relish every moment that he's on screen. And you, you fully buy into the fact that him and Solange are just meant to be together. And they're this, this couple that like you genuinely see true love between them. And it's something that makes you kind of believe in true love. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's, that's, that's based on just the fact that Gene Kelly is Gene Kelly. He's not even my favorite dancer in this movie, but I swear to God, every time he shows up, I'm just like, he's such a joyous part of this musical. And yeah. he's like, you, 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 you're so happy to see him when he pops up i guess yeah he has these like you know like kind of glittery eyes and like bright smile and every time you see him you just smile too i feel like he's just um yeah definitely something exceptional and brings a lot of uh i don't know what to say but like kind of character yeah to uh-huh. the character <laughs> yeah yeah i think characterizing it as character is is particularly like insightful because he's in his mid-50s he has all this all these wrinkles in his face and he has 
character like in his face yeah because he's been a part of like the american movie culture for so long even in 1967 like when was Amer- an american in paris was it like 51 somewhere around there? yeah he's, he's this this american institution almost mm-hmm. totally yeah totally what would be your next uh pick here if you had to like pick something else that you loved about this movie well obviously the sisters and gene kelly are great picks but they're just not as good as this pick right here that you guys clearly overlooked. I'm picking the hats. <laughs> like oh there are just, just some incredible hats in this movie. There are incredible hats. Every every time I watch this movie and I see the um, the costumes, I'm like, oh my God, I need to like dress in pink and yellow and flirty dresses and like heels for like the next week. Yeah. I feel the same exact way. <laughs> It's amazing. The hats. (laughs) Paige this year introduced me to the term grout fit, which (laughs) I just want to like add to the pod, which is it's a it's an outfit that's gray. So it's like gray. Fully gray. It's like you're like sweatpants and a sweatshirt. It's a grout fit. Everything is gray. Um so like David Byrne American Utopia. (laughs) Yes, it's exactly like David Byrne American Utopia. But it's a very like quarantine outfit. So it's like grout fit. But I feel like you get extra these... points if they are um, a sweatshirt and sweatpants that are like similar <laughs> enough in tone, but yes. not not contrasting enough that they look like they, um, you know, you paired them together. <laughs> so this yeah. is a new term for me. But I feel like this movie is the opposite of a grout fit. It's like, yes, it's colorful. It's like always <laughs> grout fits. Let's go. <laughs> grout fits are, um, are an amazing coping mechanism, but this movie is not a grout fit. Yeah. If, if anyone could take anything from, from this podcast, just, just take away that the young girls of Rochefort is the anti grout fit. Anti-grout. It, it's the anti-grout fit. <laughs> Write your thesis on it. Let's go. Yep. Completely agree. So what were your thoughts about the hats? Because they are phenomenal. Oh yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean about the hats. From from like the, the twin song at the very beginning, like there are just these incredible hats. Like you said, they're all all these different colors. They're pink, they're yellow, there's there's whites, and the characters are debating, like, oh, I, I don't want to wear this hat right now. They don't look good on me. And it's like, who owns this many hats? <laughs> like, I wish I owned <laughs> <hats>. <laughs> Dude, Who owns this many hats? <laughs> Which hat totally. do I wear today? <laughs> I think I literally have two. <laughs> Can I tell the story? Wait, wait. Oh my god, my hat. Wait, wait, wait. Paige had this hat called that we literally <laughs> called the airport hat because it was like a fedora where she couldn't pack it in her suitcase because it would like smush in her suitcase. Yeah. So, but she'd always want to wear it on vacation. It's like a straw kind it was of like fedora. A, yeah, it was like a straw fedora. So yeah. we'd call it her airport hat because she would wear it in the airport because you can pack it in her suitcase and then never wear it on vacation (laughs) and (laughs) wear it back in the airport because she couldn't pack it (laughs) i love it i love it no but the airport hat is amazing and i feel like that embodies 
the spirit of this movie. Don't you think, Paige? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Young Girls is the anti-grouch fit, or whatever it's called, but it is airport hat. (laughs) It is is airport hat, but not grouch fit. Grouch fit, there we go. It is, um... But the funny thing is that your airport outfit is a grout fit with a hat, with an airport hat. Oh, my mind is blown. Oh, I don't know what oh, that means. Good point. Good point. This is so, this is way too complicated for sober Ethan to edit. Oh my god. If we have any any theoretical scientists uh, listening to the pod right now, I would please like to see a study peer reviewed, if possible, on grout fit versus airport hat. <laughs> peer reviewed, if possible. Hats are amazing yes. in this in this in this movie. I do I do have to agree with you there. Hats are just yes. like over the top. Um, I think outfits in general are just like over the top. I especially love like sequin dresses that they wear with the little slits oh, yeah. when they're doing their little little like are you talking about the first one or are you talking about their their number when they perform on the stage i don't know what their number on stage the fete day something la fete that one of course i knew that the big celebration as well um yeah that that outfit is pretty much that like dancer emoji Paige, that's, that's like you've said a lot of smart things. That is the smartest thing you've ever said. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is though. Here, I'll show you. It's totally that emoji. It's that one. It's that one. It's that one. Yeah. I know because that's the emoji I use in my Tinder bio. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it is. It, it. I mean, that whole performance embodies that emoji, especially the outfit. <laughs> the outfit. <laughs> <laughs> the non-grout fit. The not, that's the, it's an airport hat of a movie. <laughs> what Couldn't is, have said it better myself. <laughs> what is what is what is your next favorite part of the movie that has not been specified? Uh, well, we've already specified it. <laughs> no, no. You had another idea that you well, whispered to me that yes. has not well, been named yet. Well, we've already named it in the podcast, but not in the draw. Yeah, so um, you're allowed to draft pick. You're allowed to specify it. <laughs> yes, it. it um, so I would pick uh, Michelle Legrand because the, mm. the music is phenomenal. The scores are amazing, and I feel like without that, the the movie doesn't work at all. Like, like that is absolutely core to the entire um, musical. I like admire Michelle Legrand so much. Like, and. I, I find musical genius like almost the most impressive out of any kind of gen- genius there is just because it's so creative it's and so out of grasp for me I feel like like if, if you were to give me a thousand years I, I couldn't come close to what Michelle Legrand does like especially here like I, I um one, one of the featurettes on the Criterion Blu-ray for young girls is um, an interview with Jacques Demy and Michelle Legrand and Michelle Legrand is just plinking around on the piano, just trying to come up, come up with motifs and themes, and working with the lyrics that uh, that Jack Me gives them, and trying to collaborate. And it, it's it's something that I find so interesting because it's something that I feel like I'm so far away from. 
the music really, like I said, just feels like I'm watching the movies. Like I can listen to the piece and not know a, a word of what they're saying. And I just feel like I'm watching the whole movie. Yeah, I, I, I think that's so good. And I, I think it's it's so apropos because Michelle Legrand prominently features the piano, which mm-hmm. I feel like is the most expressive instrument. And it just conveys all these emotions at once. And you just have all these different ways that it's implemented and combined with, with voices, freeform piano solos. And then you have these moments that are they're so very choreographed. And it's it's a testament to how in control of like the mood and emotion that Michelle Legrand is in. I, I feel like he is just like a, uh, a puppeteer and I'm just the, the puppet, like being controlled by the strings. Mm-hmm. And my emotions just go one way, they go the other solely because Michelle Legrand t- tells me to. Yeah, definitely. I completely understand that. You, you, you want a cool pick, Ethan? Yeah. You, you should take the town square. Oh, that's, Ooh, that, that is a cool That's a good one. That is a cool pick. That's a good one. But should I be original and pick George Chakaris? No. I think I should. Yeah, so this is a fully original thought, but I'm going to pick the town square. <laughs> uh-huh. It's it's really the setting for this movie, and it's really like it's even though none of the characters sort of have their final meeting at the town square, it feels like everything sort of happens in periphery to the town square. Um, Paige Griffin, any thoughts on the town square? I know you both love the town. I mean, I want to visit the town square. <laughs> um, it looks yeah. like a grand old time. I feel like it feels like a, yeah, I feel it feels like, like you step time. into that space and you're just like I don't know. I mean, this is my imagination going, but totally. <laughs> I feel like um it's I don't know, it's very lively and it's exciting and it's where everything is happening and everyone's getting together and making friends. Yeah, totally. Like you you have you have this fountain, you have this fair that's being set up and like you have this cafe that's right next to the fountain. But what's most important is that this cafe has glass walls so you can see out and see what's going on. Yeah. It's, it's like the whole movie doesn't have this sense of geography. The only sense of geography that you have is that this town, this, this town square is next to like the transporter bridge and everything revolves around that one area. Everything that's going on goes on in that one area. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Oh, you know, the one thing we didn't talk about in my notes was um dance basketball griffin mm, yes not talk about dance basketball. dance basketball um griffin dance basketball is amazing i wish like people in the nba especially if they had like a full court drive would sometimes do a cartwheel <laughs> or like maybe a backflip or a somersault or like something but like i feel like dance basketball is a really underappreciated part of basketball. I don't know if you have any, have any thoughts on dance basketball in general, but dance basketball worked very well for the for me in this movie. 100%. I, I don't think there would be a Young Girls of Rochefort without dance basketball. Like, I, I would love to see uh, LeBron James or Zion Williamson going down on a fast break and bust out a cartwheel before he goes for a dunk or something like that. It's, yeah. it's what James Naismith would have wanted. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yes. I know. I, as LeBron of this podcast, 
Okay. You were the LeBron of this podcast. Oh, me? Oh, okay. I thought you were referring to yourself. No. (laughs) No. I was referring to you. like, wow, right? (laughs) You were the LeBron of this podcast. What are your thoughts on dance basketball? I I feel like dance basketball is... (laughs) Is is basically european 60s basketball like american basketball um no it's almost like before the nba and the aba merged like the aba was the league that had the three-point line and had julia serving dr j and was was the more exciting league almost it's it's like this this counterpart Mm. and allowed dunking that's exactly what page said Uh, you're like copying (laughs) exactly what page said the the ncaa banned dunking because of of kareem abdul jabbar in that time known as lou alcindor that's exactly what you're going for page yep pretty much (laughs) it was just too dominant any thoughts on that page (laughs) alcindor's dominance (laughs) oh It was, it was just all Coach Wooden's scheme, right, Paige? <laughs> yep. Great point, Griffin. Precisely. It was all Coach Wooden's scheme. Griffin actually, like, comes up with good points yeah. while he's, like, making fun of me. I, I devote all my thought to making fun of anyone I'm talking to. <laughs> for clarifying what I was trying to express. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. <laughs> Any just, like, parting notes on how amazing this movie is? Or should we... Any notes you want to make on this movie? The last thing that I wanted to bring up is we touched on it a little bit with we talked about how like unabashedly French this movie is and how Jacques Demy is like unashamed to to let let the culture of his country kind of shine through. And, and the parallel that I kind of saw was was with um, Japanese director uh, Yasuhiro Ozu and that both the, and both directors depict like this daily life, this kind of mundanity through a lens of like that's a lens that's unmistakably influenced by their culture and their, their countries. Like Ozu shoots with his static shots that are at tatami mat height. And Demi has this fascination with like art and musicality that's very much French. And I, I think it's it's so refreshing to, to see that that kind of new perspective of culture kind of shine through on a project that feels very much American too. Mm-hmm. Hmm totally page yeah i see what you mean um more yeah. basketball takes page let's more go more, that's what i want to know page, I, who's going to win the eastern conference this year this is what i want to know the lakers are clearly going to win the western conference who's going to who's going to win the eastern conference that's what i want to know <laughs> will it be the nets will it be the celtics will it be the bucks who will it be the page? celtics for thomas but um good take good take <laughs> um let's see um, well, I think that everyone should watch this movie because it has changed my life. Yeah, I, it's it's one of my um, favorite movies and I didn't even know it existed before I just decided to sit down and watch a movie with you one day. Yeah, this is a movie that I feel like appeals to everyone. It, like, if you don't like musicals, if you don't like foreign language films, watch Young Girls of Rochefort. I feel like you'll find at least a little nugget of something that you'll take away and be like, hey, maybe I do actually like this. Yeah. Uh Like we didn't even see the like really rise and fall of um, Delphine's character with her and the first boyfriend that she breaks up with at the beginning. We don't really see the rise and fall of that relationship. She just kind of, 
she just explains it in their in their song and um mm. explains why they don't work together and he's not seeing it and and she's like and it, there's something I don't know something kind of French about the way she like breaks up with him <laughs> it's like ah we just don't work like you don't see like 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 you think this way and I think this way and it just won't work and it, I don't know what it is but it's so charming um that's true yeah that's but, true. very French yeah I mean the other thing that I always that I that I feel now having seen it again is that um I really want to visit Rochefort <laughs> I just want to check oh, yeah, out we this had place. a good conversation about this like we yeah. need to go there yeah and check out that little cafe that still exists, apparently. The cafe exists. It's there. It's called the Cafe de Demoiselle. Some people take pilgrimages to Jerusalem. We will take a pilgrimage to Rochefort. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> that's that's exactly what I was saying. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a fantastic movie. Um, I usually wrap up the podcast by having people say a quote in character. Griffin, you seem to have given some thought to this from what you were, t- you, you, you were only texting me possible quotes. What I wonder is what quote you decided on. What quote have you decided on Griffin? Well, I mean, of course there's this, if, if we're gonna limit ourselves to quotes from this movie, which I will, <laughs> like it's a musical, it's gotta be a song. And the best song of the movie is, is is the twin song at the beginning between Delphine and Solange. So I, I, I'll give you a little taste of what a 22-year-old American boy sounds like trying to sing and replicate two beautiful French young ladies. <laughs> yes. Nous sommes du sage humain, sous le signe d'as gémeau, mi pas à la mire, rebi pas à sa sarero. That was great. Delphine. It's like we so long to memorize the French lyrics. Like I have no nice. clue. That, that was, was that was killer. That was exceptional. That was killer. That was I, I I was super impressed. Paige, <laughs> any any uh, final quotes you want to wrap up with? No. Yes. What quotes yes, you should do? I do? I didn't think I would have to. I, would I know, but you didn't. That's um, kind of one up me into the same thing. I'll bring out the guitar. How about um, in the twin song? She's always. Um, there's this one line that I hear every time I'm in the car listening to the song <laughs> that I feel like um, I always try to emulate every time I hear it. And she goes, Delphine, Delphine. Yes. I don't know what it is, but it's just the way she says it. So that's my, Delphine. that's my quote. Delphine. I do that. I do that too, Paige. I do that too. Delphine. <laughs> yeah, like I don't know what she says afterwards. But. Delphine. Delphine. <laughs> We forgot to pick up Boo Boo. <laughs> <laughs> also, we did not talk about how Boo Boo is like always picked up by strangers, and they're like, "You're not gonna kidnap him, are you?" And they're I know, like, and then they have, like oh, a serial we're killer not out there. gonna kidnap him." And they're like, "Oh, great! I'll let you take him home because you're you said you're not gonna kidnap him." Yeah, that's a big part of this movie. Boo Boo is straight up just shit based for a scene too. <laughs> oh, Boo Boo also like drinks a bottle of champagne. Yeah, on his like own. what? Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. man. Well, 
this has been an honor. Thank you guys both for coming on. This is like <laughs> one of my favorite movies and I'm glad you guys like share the love of this movie with me. So um, yeah. yeah, what an awesome movie. And like, thank you guys both for coming on so much. So it's yeah. been very fun. Yeah, pleasure to be on. We're just all three young girls living in Rochefort, right? <laughs> yeah. just, just three young French girls. Um, with the sign of Gemini. With the sign of Gemini. All <laughs> twins. The three of us twins. Um, and all appreciated this movie. So we all had that in common. And yeah. Boo-boo. Boo-boo. <laughs> Boo-boo, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of Cineflag, and I will see you next week.